1: Rain of
2: Troy Hotline. Alicia? Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have
0: takes. I'm
2: actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever isn't
0: completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can I put on the zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw. Up against the wall. Can't explain it. what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race. Bar. Woohoo!
2: Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Hello, everybody. We are back. Episode 479 coming to you on Monday, March 27th, 2013. March is coming to an end, but uh, not our content. Uh, This is a bonus content week. We're going to be coming back later this week for our YouTube members, So if you're a member of the podcast here on YouTube, uh, join us later this week as uh, we're going to have our March bonus episode, which we're super excited for, but this is a normal episode. we got a ton of news in this one. Talk about tight end changes for USC. USC is without a tight end, uh, but potentially getting a new one. We'll see what happens. We're going to talk about it here on this episode and so much more, uh, including the Trojans getting a new analyst. We'll talk about pro day. Uh, and take your questions as always here on the podcast. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Rand of Troy. Be sure to subscribe where you get your podcasts. Stitcher, tune in, overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your t- your podcasts, we are there. Of course, we are live on YouTube every Monday night, 5 p.m. Pacific time, as we are right now. Big shout out to everyone in the chat. Uh, what's up to you, Scott? Fighting on MC is in the chat. Uh everybody's in here and um we're excited to talk USC football. As always, I'm your host, Mike Castillo Journal with my co-host in the Ranatory studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh we are back for the final episode of March. March Madness sort of coming to an end. Uh as we can see, the Final Four is set. USC, of course, not in it, eliminated in the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, but What a weird development. What a weird final four, like uh, Miami and the FAU both in it. San Diego state future potential back 12 member in it.
0: I absolutely love it. I love it when underdogs uh, win in the tournament and this, if memory serves me correct, if you add up all the teams, all of the seeds, this is like the second highest or one of the highest numbers that you've ever gotten for a final four. Yeah. Um, which is absolutely amazing, and I love it. Um, I have heard some compelling arguments, though, about how this might be less about the teams and more about the selection committee not giving Hmm. mid-majors as much love as they should. Um, I think FAU is a really good example of that because they won a whole lot of games, uh, and I know that they weren't playing in a major conference, but uh, they literally lead the nation in victories this year. So, I don't know. Maybe FAU is uh, just uh, the whole... FAU ain't played anybody. Sort of comment um, obviously is being proven incorrectly because uh, those yeah. wins have turned into a an incredible run, and and we're gonna get we're gonna get a first uh, a team that is in the na- in the national title game for the first time, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And three of the four teams that are competing for a national title this year have never won one before in basketball, so. Uh, while UConn is clearly going to be the favorite to win it all, um, if someone other than UConn, win, UConn wins it, it's sort of a whole new era. Uh, so that's extremely exciting. And I see Ramamurdi is saying CBS is unhappy with the Final Four. Oh, of course they are. Of course they are. No, you know, they they want Duke and
2: Kentucky. And To me, this is the irony of all this. Like We all love underdogs, but yet every time there's underdogs, people complain that nobody's going to watch.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I'm more likely to watch if there's an underdog who has a chance to to win. But
2: I, I think people want David versus Goliath. They don't want That's a bunch true. of Davids.
0: Yeah, right? they want FAU versus North Carolina, right. and uh, instead they're they're getting something different. But yeah. uh, this whole tournament has been really really fun. I've had the privilege of being able to cover it uh, for fansided.com, and and it's been really really fun to tune in every night and know that some. Wacky wildness is going to go on, uh, and and that's the joy of of March Madness. And I will continue to say it for the the USC basketball fans out there, whether you agree with me or not. Like, oh, if Miami can do this, why aren't we holding USC to this? State? Oh,
2: exactly. I think Miami is kind of the prototype in in this instance of like what SC should be, right? Like, uh, they went to the Elite Eight last year. They went to uh, the final four this year like yeah that, that's that's what and i'm was. not and I, I, i'm not saying I, I think that usc should be, i don't think it's crazy for sc to have a final four run every 20 years you know what i mean
0: yeah and i'm not saying that like usc should be uh this expect to be this juggernaut or whatever i'm just i'm just looking at the teams that are there
2: right. and i'm
0: saying i've never seen usc be there and why is that and and how does usc make that happen and that's just the question that i'm asking so yeah. you know
2: Nearly made it there two years ago, but there alas, as uh, my as not. my
0: dad is fond of saying, almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. So true, yeah.
2: Anyways, uh, we got a bunch of news here on this episode, uh, so let's get right to
0: it. No, I'm going to cut you off real quick before Uh you jump into the news because I have one last thought about the NCAA tournament. Oh dear. You made a comment to me, and I completely agree with you that, and this is the difference between an elite eight and a final four. If you're there for the final weekend, like that's as good as winning a championship. Obviously, you want to win a championship. Oh yeah. But like a final four berth, having your team involved in the final weekend of the tournament, like that's on a whole different level than anything else. Like the difference is 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 huge to me. But
2: yeah. You want to know why? everybody remembers george mason going to the final four right
0: yeah who won, who won who the won national the title that year i don't know
2: yeah you don't know i have no idea it was florida but like yeah nobody remembers like like people obviously people remember that florida won two titles back back, back, to, back. to back yeah but like people remember the final four runs more than anything and so like yeah uh, yeah to, to me and and you know the not to not to make this a UCLA basketball sympathetic podcast, which is not, so early, <laughs> but like the, the flukiness of, of all like um, you, you play so many games uh, and like the, the randomness of like single elimination tournaments. I think you really should put more value in just getting to the final four rather than winning the national title, considering how random it is to, even advanced in the NCAA tournament. Like the, like the best teams don't always get there as Is evidence it, with Gonzaga. as that evidence with, you know, UCLA over the years? Well, uh, see
0: that would you would have been Ben Howland's best friend then. Certainly. From, yeah. from 2006 to I mean, 2008. Like
2: look at, look at all the crap. I talk about the Dodgers, right? Like yeah. the Dodgers are the best team in baseball and they cannot win a crapshoot tournament. But like that says more about the crapshoot tournament than it does about the Dodgers. Yeah. Even though, surely I'll troll the.
0: the Yeah, you'll 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 get your trolling in. I I I, I get you. I'm allowed allowed to do that. I'll Uh, get my trolling in on UCLA. Like, (laughs) I try to keep my trolling to a minimum because I don't want to. Like, I never want to. We still got that that
2: that, um, Apple Podcast review that said that. You know we're we're just arrogant talking about other schools, so we don't want to do that. Anyways, news. Talking about news. Uh, USC is without a new tight end uh, not not without a new tight end out with uh, an, old, a, tight an end. old tight end uh, a tight end who we didn't even include in the the season preview
0: <laughs> which uh, is like Malcolm we Epps were, we were like predicting this
2: I, I I don't know I don't know what happened for us uh, Malcolm Epps transferred from Texas to USC ahead of the 2021 season uh, caught 10 passes for 173 yards and a touchdown Uh, In 2021, Uh, last year, a little bit of a different season. He caught four passes, three catches, two touchdowns, and an interception, Uh, of course, on the Hail Mary against Fresno State, one that potentially turned the game around, helped SC sort of put the dogs away. Um, We didn't know what was going to happen going into spring. We hadn't seen anything on social media about whether or not he was going to come back. We hadn't seen anything. We sort of assumed that he was you know, done with his, uh, his eligibility. Uh, and we didn't include him in our preview that was bad on us because he was there, uh, on the, the USC roster as spring camp broke earlier or started earlier this month. Uh, of course that is no longer the case. He released a statement on Wednesday announcing that he was going to put his name into the transfer portal. This leaves SC currently with just three scholarship tight ends on the roster. Jude Wolf, Lake McCree, and Carson Tabarachi. Uh, and as we know, the tight end help is not necessarily coming this fall because USC's tight end signee um, is not enrolling. Um, Walker Lyons. Yeah, so Walker sure. Lyons is going on a uh, is on a uh, Mormon um, mission, and he will be enrolling it next season. So SC surely needs the tight end help, uh, which we'll talk about potentially in a second. Uh, that could be coming.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I liked Malcolm Epps as a player. I I thought he was an interesting sort of red zone option for USC, and and that kind of played out with he had three catches, two touchdowns last yeah. year. Um, I don't begrudge him going in the transfer portal just because the production opportunities haven't necessarily been there for tight ends over the past couple of years, and when you factor in someone like Lake McCree who... Or even Jude Wolf, if if he's able to be healthy, um, opportunities will not necessarily be rising for somebody like uh, like Malcolm Epps. It's disappointing, but again, if a guy's going out to try and sort of find his his place in the world, you can't you can't begrudge him that. Um, I'm less. It's and I've said this on the show before. It's tough for someone like me who has a reputation for loving tight ends. And I do genuinely love tight ends. One of the reasons that I really enjoy watching the Kansas City Chiefs, even though I'm not a Chiefs fan, is that like watching Travis Kelsey work is just really fun. Yeah, he's pretty Um, good. He's pretty damn good. And I've always appreciated uh, tight ends that are that, that are out there making plays and doing the nitty gritty and also doing, you know, the George Kittles of the world are also very fun. Uh, to, to watch. And, and you know, just like a really, really, really good tight end. It, it doesn't really get much better than that in terms of like my entertainment value. The problem is, is that unless the tight ends are forcing you to use them the way that George Kittle and Travis Kelsey force you to use them, um, unless you don't have weapons at wide receiver like happened to USC when, you know, um, Fred Davis was literally the number one target on that, on that, uh, on that offense. That was as much about Fred Davis being amazing as not really having wide receivers who were commanding all of the targets. Um, So it's kind of difficult to look at a tight end room and say like, this is a trouble spot for USC when USC's offense was not hurting for not using the tight ends last season. And I don't expect it to be hurting for not using the tight ends this coming season. Um, I will, I, I do enjoy Lake McCree. I am excited to see Lake McCree, uh, to be completely honest. I'm not going to expect anything out of Jude Wolf until I see it happen because the injury thing has been there too often. And it was going to be my philosophy for Ethan Ray going forward as well. And I believe he's going pro in something other than sports. So, like that's sort of yeah. where I'm at with the tight ends. It's like, do I want to see Lake McCree? Yes, I do want to see Lake McCree. Am I going to sweat too much about the tight end room, given what we've seen from this offense that doesn't necessarily need the tight end to be a featured? It's, it, I'm not saying you shouldn't have a guy out there. You should absolutely have a guy out there and try to get him involved. But uh, it's it's not. It, I I don't. I'm not sweating it too much.
2: Yeah, and and as Walker points out in, in the uh, the chat, Kate Eldridge, uh, who's a uh, three star athlete listed in twenty four seven sports, is going to join the Trojans later this December and uh, play tight end and certainly and help they're there always, too. And
0: USC has always found bodies at tight end. Sure, they, yeah. they they've always seemed to get a, a walk on or two who can sort of fill fill a gap if you, if they're if they're low on bodies. Mm-hmm. So you know they'll figure this out. Um, I think it's just it's just unfortunate that uh, USC has really bad injury luck at the position, and also like a guy like Malcolm Epps has decided that he's going to try to find more opportunities somewhere else. So
2: yeah, and th- there is a walk on uh, Luke Ott, who's um, a sophomore at of Simi Valley, is listed as a walk on on USC's roster this spring. Um, yeah, I, I think the the Malcolm Epps thing. It, I I I understand, um, you know, players wanting a, a, a fresher start, and there's so many different wide receivers at SC right now that it you know, might be difficult to be the guy at tight ends um, because being the guy at tight ends still might not mean that you get many opportunities. As seen with with Epps last year, he participated in 14 games. So yeah, I think he's he's one of those guys who's had a couple of you know nagging injuries, just like everybody else but still participated in 14 games and only had 3 catches. So if if you want to go somewhere else where you can, you know, find more opportunity, by all means, go do it. Like that's what college ball set up to do right now. Um, you, you might as well be able to to go out and 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 find those those things. And for SC, it's about going forward and seeing what you can make out of the tight end situation like we've talked about before. I think it's less about tight ends, it's more about inside receivers and inside receivers includes tight ends um, because SC has a ton of guys who can be inside um, at wide receiver. We, we know that um, SC's got so many different wide receivers. We've talked about before coming in uh, currently and coming back uh, later this uh, later this summer. I mean, just right now on the roster, uh, you've got uh, Branch, Rice, Williams, Jackson, Hudson, Singer, Washington, Lemon. Like it is, you're overloaded of what you have at, at wide receiver. And so many of those guys can play inside and sort of take up opportunities that tight ends could have. Obviously, it's a different type of mismatch on a linebacker, uh, a, a, a speedy guy versus uh, a big body guy, but it's still a mismatch nonetheless. And in an offense like what Lincoln Riley has, Yes, there's been, you know, amazing tight ends that he's developed. Mark Andrews, a prime example that Ramon Murdy in the chat points out. But at the same time, like there's not always that big producing tight end uh, on in, in his offense. And he finds other ways to produce.
0: Yes. Yeah. And, and Mark Andrews is another one of those guys who's really, really good. But when he's putting up like leading the team and receiving sort of numbers, you also look at the wide receiver group and you're like, well, that's also part of well, why. the knock on the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, it's an I mean, it's an cl- absolute knock on the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens wide receiver core is uh, I don't know. There's a reason Lamar well, Jackson wants to trade. I mean,
2: look, uh, at, look at SC with with Fred Davis, right? Yeah, like, that wide receiver core was not. We all it, talk about how, you know, insane Fred Davis was greatest USC tight end ever. All those things. And yet you look at it and like, well, part of the reason that he was able to shine so much was because that, you know, wide receiver core in 2007, it was the year after Dwayne Jarrett left the year after Steve Smith left. It was the year that Damian Williams was sitting out due to transfer. Uh, it was led by Vidal Hazelton and Patrick Turner. And I think that those guys were good, but they weren't the guys before them. They weren't the, now, the or all-American no guys. guys. After them. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. But, but I mean, and again, I, not to, go down a tight end rabbit hole, but like the Fred Davises of the world, the Mark Andrews of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, in those offenses, like the defense knows that those are the only guys that, <laughs> that are going to produce. So right. like, it's still impressive that they put up those kinds of numbers because everyone walks in knowing that's the guy that runs the offense and still mm-hmm. they're able to, uh, they're able to, to put up those numbers. So it's certainly not taking anything away from those guys, but there is a difference when you have a stacked receiving core. And, um, and and that's something that you have to sort of factor in. The other thing to take, I think the bigger question for USC at tight end is how much does USC want the tight ends involved in the run game? Because we saw USC's rushing attack improve immensely in, uh, in 2022. Um, part of that was the scheme, putting USC's runners in, in better position to succeed. And, you know, Josh follow and the tight ends played a role in the success of that rushing attack, well, USC has to replace Josh Follow uh, in in more than just a receiving role. And I think the real question here is, if Jude Wolf is not healthy, does USC have a body in there that can be the Josh Follow? And I, I sort of would have expected Malcolm Epps to be that guy, even if he wasn't going to be catching a bunch of passes. Yeah, There would have been reps on the field for a tight end because we saw Josh Follow have those reps, uh, or at least a lot of them. Um, is Lake McCree ready to to physically mature enough to uh, to take on more of that kind of blocking role as well? I I don't know. I think this is a big spring for him in in that role. Um, like I said, you know, Jude Wolf is that guy. If if he's healthy, I just don't know if he's ever going to be healthy. So that that's a bigger question that USC has to answer uh, with Malcolm Epps leaving. And I think it's just not not as the 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 room the the margin of error there has shrunk considerably by losing Malcolm Epps. But like I said, there are ways around the tight, like of all of the positions on USC's offense, like the tight end is almost like a luxury position uh, the the way I see it. And so there are ways around USC dealing with this. Um, I think that's kind of why the next bit of news that we have is a, is quite exciting because there are luxury players who potentially could yeah. be joining. And some of those luxuries
2: are pretty good. And, I mentioned Vidal Hazelton speaking of guys who signed late, potentially <laughs> as he could be going after one of those guys. Uh, of course, USC football on Twitter uh, tweeted on Sunday afternoon, a fight on emoji. What does this mean? Usually it means that somebody is signed. Somebody is committed. Somebody is something. Uh, who is it? We don't know yet. As of now, it's Monday night, um, but perhaps it's Deuce Robinson the five-star tight end at a pinnacle high in Phoenix, the number one tight end in the country, the number 19 overall recruit. Uh, What do we know about him? He is said to be making his decision by April 1st, wants to make it by April 1st, uh, deciding between SC and Georgia, other schools involved in there, Alabama, Texas, and Oregon really expected to be an SC and Georgia battle for a long time. It was kind of assumed he was just going to go to Georgia. Georgia is the two-time defending national champs they have the best tight end in the country currently uh it makes sense that when brock bowers uh goes on to the nfl after next season that douche robinson would just inherit that job but if sc is going to be in here and in it to win it this is maybe a huge opportunity and maybe this is something that sc has nailed down and just waiting in the announcement now you don't
0: know yeah uh, yeah and it, it could also just be some random three star offensive lineman that committed you know yeah. over the weekend you literally never you, know you don't know yeah but the timing I, everyone immediately jumped to it right like we know he was going to want to make his decision by April 1st it's March 27th that was mm-hmm. March 26th there's only a few days yeah. left until April 1st like an emoji comes out of nowhere i i don't remember seeing things about usc hosting particular players or anything like that to con- to consider uh you know, some some alternative. So, it feels it feels like that po- signs pointing. I don't know. Um, what I, mm. what we do know is that Deuce Robinson is that luxury player I was talking about. Like Deuce Robinson has the potential to be. The Mark Andrews or the Fred Davis or the mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey or the Brock Bowers, as as you brought up, uh, I think twenty four seven Sports compared him to Darren Waller, who's yeah. a star for the for the Raiders. So
2: sort of sort of the guy that that makes you prioritize him over the slot guys.
0: Yes, and I think adding him now would adding him as a fallen roly with baseball looming overhead. Uh, for 2023, do, do would I do, I think it would be fair to look at him and say, like, he's going to be a factor in the 2023 USC offense. Like, I don't know about that. That's probably a stretch. Yeah. I never want to look at a risk at a, at a, at a player and, and sort of put that kind of weight on them. But we have seen Brock Bowers is a good example of a, of a young guy who came in and was really good really early. Yeah. You so, know he's from Napa,
2: by the way, have you ever heard about that?
0: Never. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think uh, I think landing Deuce Robinson doesn't solve all of your problems because again, like Deuce Robinson, to me, certainly as a as a young kid right now, doesn't solve the problem that I was talking about with u s c and the tight end and the run game, and who's gonna replace the sort of veteran mature body of uh, blocking ability that uh, Josh Fowler was able to tap into in twenty twenty two but he certainly gives Lincoln Riley another weapon. To factor into the offense. And the one thing we know about Lincoln Riley is if he's got a weapon and that weapon is dangerous, then Lincoln Riley is incentivized to use that weapon and yeah. he'll make it work. He'll, he'll, he'll get the most. So yeah, Deuce Robinson would be a very, very exciting prospect. Uh, you don't want to catch, you don't want to count your chickens before they've hatched because we are completely speculating that this fight on emoji could be Deuce Robinson, but right. uh, it's sort of a keep your eye out. I mean, <laughs> By the time we uh, end this uh, this episode, who knows uh, the the news could have broken. So
2: yeah, and the interesting thing with Robinson as well is he's a two sports star, and the uh, MLB draft is coming up in June. Uh, he's expected to be talented enough to be drafted in in the MLB draft. What does that mean? I don't know. We're gonna have to to watch out. And um, is an MLB team going to buy him out of his football career?
0: It's possible. I think I saw, I want to say I saw a quote from him that was saying um, that he, if they wouldn't, because the rules are so complicated. I don't, really, I can't keep track of the rules at this point, but it sounds like if he couldn't sign the contract with, with a baseball team and also play college football, that he was going to play college football. At least that's the plan. So it sounds like the MLB is only going to be a thing if he can do it simultaneously, If he, if he can work out the technical sides of like eligibility and all that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, don't think that USC needs to worry about him committing and then not showing up because he's, you know, on a baseball field somewhere in Alabama or, uh, or whatever, like in in the minors. But, um, it is it is a real like things plans can change. Things can change. He could right end up in an organization that he didn't expect to be in and sort of go full bore for them. So
2: more to his decision-making, I think this is more reason to take your time and get it right. Right. Like when you have different factors in here, I, I always find it crazy that, you know, signing day is signing day but that doesn't mean you sign, you have to sign that. Yeah. That's just the first day you can file. Yeah. It's the opposite of taxes. You know what I mean? Like everyone <laughs> talks about tax day. Tax day. Isn't the day that you file. It's the last, last day, day that you, you can file. file yeah. Right. Like if if you're signing, if you're filing on tax day, it's because you've procrastinated. Yes. Um, if you are signing on signing day, that's just because you're antsy and you're, you're, you're ready to go. You're, you're ready to go. And you know, a lot of guys probably would benefit from not signing on signing day. And taking a little bit to think about it. And yeah. so um, I, I think it, it's frustrating from a fan perspective to wait, but, uh, you know, especially in the era of the transfer portal and everything. And I think it makes sense to get the most information that you can. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, with Deuce Robinson as we go forward. Maybe by next week we'll know. Uh, next episode, of course, after April 1st. Um, Other USC news uh, joining the coaching staff is Greg Brown, 40 plus years of various coaching experience. He's going to be an analyst. Uh, His experience includes being a saints assistant in the mid two thousands. He was Arizona's co-defensive coordinator in 2010 alongside Tim Kish and under Mike Stoops. Uh, He was Colorado's defensive coordinator. The first two years in the PAC 12, 2011 and 2012 under John Embry. That did not go well for Colorado. Uh, There's a, Mike bone connection, by the way, uh, and Alabama's DBs coach in 2013. Uh, most recently he was the defensive coordinator last year for, uh, Charlotte's, um, SC put out in a, a, um, a statement about him. I believe, uh, that includes mentioning that as a defensive backs coach, Brown has developed three Jim Thorpe, can- uh, recipients, Dion figures at Colorado in 1992, Chris Hudson in Colorado, in 1994, and uh, Gerard Holloman uh, at uh, Louisville in 2014 each won the award, which is presented to the nation's top defensive backs. So what do you make of this? Um, an analyst joining the staff, this feels like a very uh, Alabama Nick saban move, but what, what, what say you?
0: Literally couldn't hurt, yes. right? Like I think that um, you look at that kind of wealth of experience and he's clearly been doing some things right over many decades of of work in college football. I like that he had Thorpe Award winners in the 90s and then Mm -hmm. another in 2014. It goes to show that he understands um, the sort of modern game in a way that if it was just Thorpe Award winners in 92 and 94 and nothing else, like you might look at and say, well, how much does he really understand the modern game? But it looks like he has sort of kept up with the – things more recently and and i think that when you look at it usc can use every set of eyes as possible on this defense to get this defense right so i like the addition uh, i hope it i hope it works out um mm-hmm. it's hard to say really with an analyst yeah but like i said it, it literally cannot hurt at least that's, not from what i can see
2: th- th- that's my thought we're, we're talking about a guy who's 65 um Taking uh a a job to stay in football probably still has that itch to still be around
0: but and it's it, hard to be an on-field coach doing all of the yeah the recruiting and all that kind of stuff i get the appeal of being an analyst yeah
2: and um uh he was a year out of football in 2021 didn't did not uh have a job then either so yeah he, here he is at, at SC as an analyst the, the more the merrier and if he can you know bestow his expertise uh, onto the defensive coaching staff, then by all means, like the, yeah, the, the, this is a, a good thing. This can only help. I, I can't imagine a way that this uh, is, is a negative for, for SC, um, especially when the, the whole goal of USC's defensive coaching staff this year is just to improve, 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 improve. improve. Um, any I, marginal gain and and you know the the corners i'm not sure the the corners are the 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 position group that needs the, the most help but that doesn't mean that you can't give them help so yeah go for it uh b- big uh big ad for sc we'll see what happens uh with him going forward um pro day was last week uh last uh tuesday i believe and what 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 do you make of pro day Uh, It was super rainy. It brought a bunch of conversations about USC's facilities. SC, of course, does not have a full inside facility, indoor facility that you would see at other schools, primarily ones uh, with, say, uh, worse weather. Um, uh, ASU plays in extremely hot weather in in, uh, the Sonoran Desert. They have an indoor facility, right? A lot of the teams in the South uh, that play in humidity have indoor facilities. USC does not. And so it rained and rained and rained. And a bunch of guys did not do the 40 because of it. Um, Alicia, you you got thoughts there?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate for, you know, for for guys like Jordan Addison and Tule Tupelo, it doesn't really change too much they got to go to the combine they got to to show their stuff there um this pro day is is not the end all be all for guys like that it is the end all be all for guys like i don't know josh follow um and terrell bynum and and those guys who are just like scraping and trying to to get their shot at the nfl um so it's a bummer for those guys that the field stuff got so rained out um but when it comes to facilities like and i was talking about this with um with people on Twitter, it's like the rain that we saw that week, or the the that week, and then the previous weeks that we've been having rain in Southern California is it's uncharacteristic. Is like I can remember once in my life before this year, this ki- the rain that felt this much, yeah, uh, and it was when I was a kid. Like, and El Nino was the new name that we called uh, things. Like Having said that,
2: like. Rain in March is not necessarily rare. No, I mean,
0: and that's the thing is, I I went to probably three USC pro uh, pro days in a row, and two of the three were uh, were rain. There, there was rain, but like when it rains in LA, normally the rain that I experience on those days is like you need to have like a jacket on because it'll be drizzling a bit. But like sure. the field never gets to a point where it's unusable. Uh, whereas like. This time it's it was unusable, and then I guess the guys who ran the forty had to. They found like the driest strip of the field that they could find. Um, West, West Texas Mike asked, "Does USC not have a relationship with the Rams and SoFi?" Um, you know, again, like you, that would I would have to take some like proactive planning and logistics that are probably not necessary ninety nine point nine percent of the time if it was capable so of happening at all.
2: That would be interesting. Um I wonder if there would be some sort of uh problem in having a pro day technically on an NFL
0: That's um, another question is that even property? is that even allowed? Because um,
2: because the the idea about the pro day is you want the scouts from all the different teams there, right? And I know that Sofi is different than say having the thing at the Rams facility or at the Chargers facility yeah. and the Chargers lay just as much claim to the stadium itself, even that they don't own it like the Rams do. Yeah. Um. But I, if you are a Colts, uh, scout, would you be allowed to be in SoFi to for pro day? I, I don't know how and that these would are, work. These are questions I, I, that I don't know.
0: I mean, obviously, I see,
2: I, I see the I see the logic in like having some sort of deal to have the the pro day there, yeah. but I just. Yeah, I I don't know about the logistics but, um, technically.
0: But also like again, these are things that once in 30 years do you need yeah. to have these continuous Kenny also in says place. it's
2: famously not indoors too. Yeah. yeah. So if there's has like the, there's like a roof that that's not a complete roof. It's like a it's like an awning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean I I don't know. I don't know if Sofi would have even been able to like you said logistically, legally, all of those kinds of things we don't know. Yeah. Um it, in the end, like it was a debate about whether or not USC is a poverty program for not having a full sized indoor facility. Yeah. SC
2: famously a po- very poverty stricken school.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've heard the anecdote from Ryan Abraham about uh, Heritage Hall and. Uh, no. Oh, for, for um, sure. Yes. <laughs> so, like, yes. But I think that like, OK, I've been inside of the indoor facility that USC has it at the McKay Center. It is an indoor sort of like a half field It's it's, like 30 yards. Yeah, maybe it's slightly less than half um, in the basement, basically. And like, I think that's probably more than enough for what USC uses it for 99.9% of the time. Um, Would it be nice if USC could have a full regulation field indoor? Absolutely. I just ask, where are you going to put that? Because you look at like the footprint of the McKay Center like Mm -hmm. you're running out of room um maybe if you built a full football facility if you if you took down the baseball stadium and Howard Jones and did a whole thing like the Olympics is has sort of talked about like maybe you create a full indoor field in your basement of whatever new snazzy football facilities that USC can think up next but If you're going to have football facilities on campus, it's really tough to figure out where you actually fit that. Like you don't, in honor of all the Oklahoma fans who were talking crap about USC over this, like this isn't Norman, like land is not just there for you to build an indoor facility when you literally don't need it except for once in 30 years.
2: I think there's only two, two options one the first thing that came to mind was um you know that the parking lot on the corner of vermont and jefferson yes. um that there was like nothing there currently i just pulled up the uh, uh google maps apparently it's a temporary research facility dornsife trf hmm.
0: that's okay. new
2: i guess to me um <laughs> but like yeah w- we, we know that data field is going to get overhauled as part of the Olympic stuff. Um, so I don't know how much of that is a hindrance. I think the, so the, the other option, the option that makes the most sense is building some sort of roof over Howard Jones and Brian Kennedy. And the, then the problem is, is it going to be big enough? A, um, and B, would that be um does that mean that you've got to practice over at um uh formerly Cromwell field that's now uh, Allison Felix stadium or whatever yeah. it is like you got to practice over there for a year and then uh, on, on on top turf? of that yeah on on turf um and then you get people talking about like what that means for like ACL tears um, and then if you build that that facility. I mean, just if you roof Howard Jones and Brian Kennedy, then what does that mean for the Olympic data project project? Like it's very difficult. There's, there's really no other place to put anything. Um, it, like it, it almost feels like SC would then be potentially practicing over it, like McAllister field or something. And that would be weird and probably yeah. unfair to the women's a, soccer team. So yeah. Not I, don't, I don't know i don't know yeah uh, west texas mike says just build a softball field with a retractable roof where where yeah. <laughs> like, like this this is i think this is a big reason why se doesn't have a, a softball team is because you know where where, where are, are they gonna, gonna do where it? you're
0: gonna do it yeah. yeah there's just all sorts of lo- logistical things and like we said like 99 of the time you don't need it i saw some people who were rightfully making the point like okay during the summer it gets pretty hot like you'd think that the football team would like an indoor facility then. Um, as a reporter who had to stand on the side of the of Howard Jones field for four hours a day uh, for fall camp, um, yes, I would have loved an indoor facility. But also, like you can bear that heat and and I can just hear the message boards now talking about how weak USC's team is because they won't practice in the sun anymore. <laughs> well, you, you can, you know, you can never win those but you can never win it yeah but I, uh
2: I, I i find it very funny to me and i yes the the heat in la is is hot yes absolutely uh and but it's you, not you, you unsafe don't, you, you don't want people to be yeah the, to and they you know, be at risk of heat stroke and all those things but the irony is like of all the places in the country that have weather that needs some sort of special considerations you can't also say that SC is amazing because it's located in LA where the weather's perfect. Like, you know what I mean like yeah. like there's this this weird dichotomy here like I know there's a lot of SC fans who say that there should be no day games in September because of the heat and it's like I hear you it gets hot this we all remember the San Jose State game the Purdue game those extremely hot games right but you're in a conference at least currently um, not for much longer with the Arizona schools in which in the sun, it will be like
0: 140 degrees. And those schools have protocols because it is literally unsafe. Yes. It's literally unsafe for
2: people to
0: engage in a football game at
2: USC. You're going to make an exception for anybody in the conference. It should be for them.
0: Yes. Um, You know what I mean? USC's weather conditions make things uncomfortable, not unsafe. Right.
2: Uh, Which I mean, I'm sure some, you know, somebody would say anything over 90 degrees is done tape, And that's probably too right to an extent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Anyways. Pro day. Um, here here's some here's some 40 yard dash times if those things something you care about, Terrell Bynum four point five seconds. Uh uh, Travis Dye, four point seven five. Josh Follow, four point seven seven. Brandon Peely five point three. He uh, he did the bench for twenty four reps. Uh, Brett Neilan did twenty nine reps. Uh, good for him. Um, yeah, that's all I got.
0: I would. I'm I'm trying to find it. Um, when Vai Malapai did his forty yard dash at Pro Day four point seven five. Last time, what was
2: it? Well, what was this time?
0: Yes. Yeah. Because like. I saw I'm pretty sure it was Travis Dye who was talking about how like uh he felt his just feet sinking into the turf and like slowing him down with every step. Uh so I cuz Vi ran it on um this past week so So Vi's time last year was he didn't run it. He didn't. Well cuz he had that he he was he had like an, a hamstring injury or something like that. So that would have been cool to cross reference to sort of get a sense of what the pace mm-hmm. difference was, but yeah, I, I,
2: Ben Griffiths, twenty twenty two, mm-hmm. four point nine six.
0: Well, it's faster than I could run. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I'll say. I mean, I got to give Terrell Bynum a shot. Like four point five in in those conditions is not terrible. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I, I think I think if if you if you're Travis Dye, I think you throw out that four point five seven five and see if you can like do a private run or something like that because
2: exactly uh last little spring football note to to mention Lincoln Riley um quoted by Chris Trevino over on Twitter about Corey Foreman quote he's such a better player now than he was 12 months ago it's not even close there's a good uh good sounding quote for SC fans especially on defense when the SC needs to make big strides on defense. And one of those guys has been, where is Corey Foreman? What's he going to do? We all know that he beat UCLA with the interception uh, of, of DTR late in the game. But outside of that, you still want to see more um, out of him. Num- Former number one recruit. Here we go into year three, suddenly looking better than he was 12 months ago. I think that's a good thing.
0: Well, he's made a position change and we talked in our preview about what would that mean for him? Um, would he need to, get his weight back up. Uh, where, where does he fit at, at defensive end as opposed to rush end? Um, does it, does it work for him? I don't, I wouldn't expect to hear anything different at this stage in spring on the Corey Foreman subject. I think the jury needs to remain very out on, on how he's progressing until a bit later, later down the line, but it's still nice to, nice to know that like that's, at least they're telling us that things are going well on yeah. that position change and and that he's he's doing he's making progress um yeah. forgive me if i'm just a little bit a little bit skeptical i i i've i've gone through too many spring camps i've gone through too many spring camps and a lot of those spring camps i got to see with my own eyes so i got to cross reference whether or not uh the coaches were telling us something that were maybe blown smoke a little bit
2: we, we uh, see many a jamel cook
0: yes yeah. yes yeah. And I've heard many a soundbite about a player that, you know, wasn't going to have an impact, but because they were asked about nice things, got said about them. So, um, I think it's I think there's reason to be hopeful on the Corey Foreman front, but the, you still you, you just gotta you, you gotta, gotta wait and see. Yeah,
2: yeah for sure. Uh, all right. Uh, last thing before we get to our mailbag uh, last week, we talked about a 64 team tournament that ESPN has put together for college football. SC was a number three seed. Um, with the Heisman winner, still number three seed. Um went into the Sweet 16. while Chris Lowe over at ESPN has completed the tournament now. We talked about it before. SC going into the Sweet 16, having to play number two seed Tennessee, Eric Milton. Could they do it? Joe Milton. No. Uh SC lost to number two seed Tennessee. The sweet 16, 44, 41, a barn burner, according to Chris Lowe, who says, quote, it's always fun when a football game turns into a tennis match. And that's what happens with these two high-powered offenses. Uh, go back and forth. USC quarterback Caleb Williams is dynamic as usual, and Tennessee quarterback Joe Melton III plays like he has something to prove with everyone hyping Williams before the game. A special team's play, however, turns the game into the Vols' favor. D. Williams returns to punt. 66 yards to set up the go ahead touchdown. There it is, special teams.
0: Okay, rear its head. I love the special teams call. Like I, I think that's a really good call on uh, Chris Lowe's part. I, I do. Um, having said that, like Caleb Williams versus Joe Milton is not the same contest. <laughs> I'm no, so I'm sorry, it's not. Um, now you know USC's offense making Joe Milton. No, USC's defense making Joe Milton look. Really, really good. Like, yes, plausible, certainly. But uh, if you're asking me who I take, and I said this last week, who do I take, uh, Caleb Williams or Joe Milton? I I take Caleb Williams. I wouldn't put it past special teams being the decider in that game, though. But uh, I think that's that's a good shout. Uh,
2: You know, that was was one of the areas that SC fans were frustrated with the Trojans last year.
0: My eyes are more bulging out about what uh, they have Washington doing. This this next little... (laughs)
2: bullet here um so sc loses in the sweet 16 alicia the the final four is uh let, let, let me read you the final four teams are you ready for this ready uh alabama washington ohio state and lsu i so i i think either one of all four of those teams i think i have a valid explanation of getting there yes um on the surface, sure. Washington's final four run. Insane. Uh, Chris Lowe has Washington getting to the final four by winning the <laughs> winning the South region, um, beating Oregon 38 35 in a rivalry game in the Sweet Sixteen, which would be awesome. Great for the Pac 12 in the final year of the Pac-Twelve. Like that would be awesome, right? And then in the Elite Eight. Beating number one overall seed, Georgia, 24-23.
0: Calling BS. I'll give you Washington, Oregon. Coin flip it. I, I'm cool with that. I, I, I really don't. Um, I love Caitlin DeBoer. I think Washington's going to be good. I'm not sure they're going to be like that good, mm-hmm. but I think they have a chance of being that good. Sure. Um, Washington over Georgia? No. Uh-uh. So no, the, the interesting thing no. is
2: if Washington beats Georgia, how do they do it for you? Like like like,
0: Georgia how has does that game
2: play out in your mind.
0: Georgia has injuries to go down to their third string quarterback. Third, whoa, whoa. You, you like you have that little confidence I, in I, Washington beating Georgia. Georgia has better athletes across the board than Washington. Yes, but in that case, coaching Georgia is, should never lose ever. Well, they don't ever lose ever. So, well, like, I mean, fair. I guess the question is like, yes, they're losing Jalen Carter. Yes, they're losing. Um, Stetson Bennett, but like, are we really saying that George is going to take that much of a step back this year? I I don't think George is going to take back, take that much of a step back this year, given what Kirby Smart has built. Like, I, I think my biggest issue here is like thinking that in year two, Kalen DeBoer's Washington would be capable of upsetting the program juggernaut that is Georgia football at this point. I just don't. I don't see it. I,
2: I we're gonna we're gonna record this and save it for later.
0: I'm just, I'm just saying. It's it's like it's not like Georgia's gonna fall off a cliff, and I and I don't think that's what this thing is trying to say. But like Georgia has been recruiting top five classes for the last you know few cycles. Yeah, they've followed through with developing their players into all Americans the last few cycles. Like. Why are we acting like Washington? I I don't think any of the Pac-12 teams could could stand against Georgia, to be quite honest. Like,
2: I I hear I, you, but <laughs> I I do think Washington's very well coached and all those things. Like, I, yes, yeah, I, but I, I see a world league. in which Washington could beat Georgia. I I just wouldn't I wouldn't say it myself. Like, I wouldn't I wouldn't go out on that limb. The the, the write up I think is tremendous here. Georgia's quest to win a third straight national championship. Comes to a bitter end when Washington defensive end Braylon Trice bats down a fourth down pass at midfield inside the final minute to keep the dogs from moving into field goal range. Georgia tight end Brock Bowers has a huge game. The pair of teeny catches, but Washington receiver <laughs> Romo Dunze has the biggest catch of the game, a 24-yard touchdown in traffic that puts UW ahead uh, to stay and keeps the Huskies' dream season alive.
0: Uh, it no mention feels, of Michael Penix, dream, but surely he threw that pass. Dream season feels like the correct way to describe it. I think Washington's really good. I, I, I think I, so, too. They're I, just not that good. I, they're, uh, they're just not that. Like, uh, maybe I hold Georgia in too high of esteem. It's entirely possible I do. Sure. But uh, what Kirby Smart has built is the okay. rivaling uh, Nick Saban at this point, it, and I don't question. bet against them
2: question for you i too think that georgia on their best day is unbeatable uh see the Oregon game see the tcu game where they've taken good teams and just look make them look like they're three leagues below them right Mm -hmm. um having said that there are also georgia games where they Sort of lollygag against Kent State. That's
0: playing with their food, man. Yeah, I like know it's different. We we
2: saw the Ohio State game where they had to like pull it out against
0: Ohio State. But States. Ohio like, State's a very Ohio State's roster is better than Washington's roster. I don't know.
2: I think I, I might take Washington.
0: I might take. I, I might take you, over, over. I, I would not. I would not.
2: I, Maybe that part of it is, is quarterback bias and I, I, I think there's I always a lot quarterback of quarterback
0: bias. bias going on in this. I think there's no, a lot fair. of quarterback bias going on. No, that, that,
2: that, that's fair. And, that's, and to that's be fair, we do, of-
0: we don't know what, like, but I also, we don't know who Georgia's quarterback is going to be. We don't know what Carson Beck's going to about- gonna be. We don't know what Vanderbilt going to be.
2: It's a little rich to say quarterback bias when SC has the trump card. And,
0: well, and, I mean, and that it, and, it is extremely rich when my quarterback bias is having me pick USC over Tennessee. So, but, like, I, mean, I the, get it. But the it, irony
2: here is that but the like, difference is when you're that, talking like, about quarterback bias. I don't think SC is getting the benefit of the doubt with the quarterback bias.
0: Yeah, because, because the, the defense, defense was, so, was bad, so jarring. yeah. Which is yeah, which is fair. But like, just.
2: all right, uh, let's get to uh, the old man. Back.
1: Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit mfm.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. You've got mail. Let's
2: to our YouTube comment we got last week on the episode from Jason. Uh, when SCUCLA leave the Pac-12, the Pac-12 will no longer be the Conference of Champions, says Jason. I assume the Pac 12 claims that title because of the total number of NCAA D1 championships that have all been won by the schools in the conference. The top three schools from the NCAA championships are all Pac 12 schools. Stanford, number one, with 131. UCLA, with number two at 120. UCLA, at, sorry, SC, number two. Sorry, number three. I can't read at uh, 111. The number four There's ranked There's a lot school, of parentheses
0: I, I know. Uh, marks going on there, so I, I get the.
2: The number four ranked school is way behind the top three, uh, and that's Texas at 55, um, literally half as many as SC has. Uh, so when SC and UCLA moved to the Big Ten, is the Big Ten going to start calling themselves the Conference of Championship, Conference of Champions? Uh, so it's understandable why the Big Ten would want both SC and UCLA. They're both known brands that have won a lot of titles. By the way, Oregon is the next Pac-12 school. They at number 13 with 34 championships. Tied with the University of Denver. Hockey powerhouse, by the way. University of Denver.
0: Uh, And and Oklahoma. This is a really good point that I hadn't thought of. Bill Walton is going to be crying his eyes out for a long time. I I think the Pac-12 will continue to call themselves the Conference of Champions. Because they probably own the trademark. Um, But... And they can; they'll probably get away with it by just saying that Stanford is the has the most. So whatever. But uh, this is a good. Not that the Big Ten should call themselves the Conference of Champions because that would be lame. Right. Um, but like, this is a good point. Like,
2: I, I get, can I get you call yourself here. the
0: Conference of Champions if you're losing 231 uh, championships? Unless, except for the fact that like they did win those championships get, in as programs so the pac 12 still gets to claim them three um, thoughts A, this is all marketing bullshit you yes. can call yourself whatever you want
2: yes um every team slogan every every athletic slogan is like champions made here or w- where we make winners out of it wh- whatever it is like mm-hmm. um breeding winners or whatever it is like wh- whatever that slogan is every conference every team has their corny little saying. Um, and part of it is valid if you've won championships before. Uh, and the, the other part is it's for marketing reasons and for Absolutely. recruiting reasons. And you're going to play up anything. So why not? Uh, the, the The second thing I have here is the Pac-12 should, should continue it because that's their thing. But number three, and personally, if I was the Pac-12, I would drop it not because SC and UCLA are gone uh, and because you suddenly don't have the, the, the top three anymore. And because, you know, the, the truth matters with marketing and all that stuff, like not because of that, but because I think if you're the PAC 12, you need a rebrand, you need a rebrand in totality. And as much as I hate what happened to say like the big East, And how the big East went from this conference when I was a kid that had Miami and Boston college and Virginia tech and West Virginia. And they were very fun, um, you know, football conference. And then suddenly they just got ravaged by the sec and the ACC. Um, and the, the big 10 and like suddenly became a, um, a group of uh, you know catholic basketball schools and it's like well that's not what the Big East used to be like it it didn't used to just be where you know georgetown and friends played basketball you know what i mean like it didn't yeah. used to be that but but now it is um and like i think that as as much as it kills me that the pac-12 is not going to be the pac-12 anymore the pac-10 whatever it it needs to be. And that which I hate just nuking the whole thing. I think the PAC 12 would be better just to nuke the whole thing and do what the, the mountain West did when the whack collapsed and change your name. And maybe, maybe not change the name. Maybe call it just the Pacific conference. Maybe go back to the PCC. I don't know something, maybe drop the number. Change your entire thing. Rebrand completely. Like, go completely different in, in how you market everything, in how you change everything, anything. And and don't continue with the status quo
0: because the world the just needs change. So my pushback on that is if you rebrand totally, does that give the sort of college football infrastructure room to rebrand itself as well, because you still want to be in the, in the power five branding. Like you still want to be, and, and maybe you're headed for getting kicked out of that sort of grouping anyways, but I feel like you might open the door for more of that. If you change your, your name, if you go to Pacific Coast Conference or something like that and just sort of like change your identity, I, it's it feels like admitting defeat to me.
1: And it would be admitting
0: defeat. All of, defeat. The, all yes. of the, the word out of the Pac-12 is the opposite of but, that. But they, everybody
2: is saying that you're dead anyway.
0: Yes, but so, like the Pac-12 like, is very, very clearly responded to that by sounding like they're going to go down with the ship.
2: Yeah, I... And and I I agree, but I, I also think that you can at at minimum change your 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 slogan. Well,
0: you're going to have to. I think you are going to have to change your slogan. I I that's I wouldn't do a full rebrand. I stay the Pac-12, but I change but, my slogan.
2: But the the rebrand doesn't have to just be like your your name and logo. The the rebrand could yeah. just be how you're presenting yourself. Yeah. How how you're marketing yourself, um, and it yeah it, it could be that it's you know it's not about, uh champions the conference of champions maybe it's the uh the the conference, the conference of, of the future or something yeah <laughs> i don't know it could be anything right yeah. but i i yeah um now in terms of the the big 10 would the big 10 want to steal the conference of champions thing no 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 i, I think that it's syn- synonymous with the Pac 12 but also i i think it's a testament to how good of a slogan it was that we use it mm-hmm. that, that I don't we all the slogan remember of any of the other ones, but the again, only other one we know is, uh, the secs and, and it, it means more, right? Yeah. It means more. And that's because those slogans were good. And I know that the PAC 12 one gets used ironically, but like, just because it's used ironically, doesn't mean that it was worth that, that it didn't have its worth in, in the first place because it was catchy enough to be memorable. And it does have its validity when you when you talk about, you know, Jason's original point about all the, the championships anyway. So, yeah, definitely, definitely has, has its point there. Um, let's go to questions that we're getting currently in the chat. Uh, Kenny says, is it too early to get hyped about SC's baseball season so far this year? Uh, the Trojans currently rank third in the Pac-12, seven and two in conference ahead of UCLA at six and three. Uh, tied with Stanford for, uh, I guess, tied for second with Stanford, who are also at seven and two. The Trojans is 14, eight and one uh, overall. Look at the look at SC baseball doing its thing.
0: Hey, you love it. SC baseball is, it It, it should take itself more seriously. And it should, you know, I, I, I love to see USC going out there and living up to that that baseball brand. Um, mm hmm which is, you know, was, has been at a time, a legendary brand in, in college yeah. baseball. So, yeah, I, lo- I love to see it. Honestly, I don't know enough about the current going on. Five wins on st- the bounce. In the program to know whether or not this is real or if this is just sort of a false dawn. But, uh, hey, the beauty of not knowing enough is you can just get on board and say, screw it, <laughs> we're just going to enjoy this uh, and, uh, and see where it, see where it leads.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: I would love to be able to get into college, college baseball, uh, the college World Series sort of mindset and pay attention and all that kind of stuff. USC was was getting a chance there. There is nothing, literally nothing, that
2: made me happier as a kid than SC baseball. Like I loved SC well, baseball. Would listen to games on the radio.
0: You're a baseball guy, as evidenced by. I know the, the,
2: the look, the hat, ha- the, the um. The, the the current Cub, obsession with MLB the show the Cubs releasing. hat
0: with yeah. the the Cubs World Series SI poster right behind you like yeah. we're very baseball yeah. forward right now. It's
2: my team, unlike most of the people around SC. My, my my baseball team has won a World Series in the a,
0: a real. He'll keep, one. He'll keep digging yeah. you, Dodger fans. Like mm-hmm. he'll, he'll hey, Dallas, the, nine, in the, chat
2: the, the mentioned one, one. the Braves earlier, so um. You know, there's, there's other people who's won real World Series in my lifetime, which is which is good. Mm. Um, but, but anyways, yeah, SC baseball looks good right now. Uh, you want to see more of that. Um, to me, it's SC baseball and football are the, the pride and joy of the athletic department. Um, it should be considered that. It's not, but it it should, it should really be, be considered yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Tim says, if you can only pick one away game this year, which one is it for you? We're looking into Colorado to see the SC versus uh, CU primes. Uh, it's Oregon, right? It's got to be Oregon. I, I think that Colorado's a good away game. Um, if you've never been to Boulder, it's a fun place. I think Folsom Field is an interesting place. It's <laughs> it's a it's a stadium I like. I know Alicia hates.
0: I but, hate for technical if I went as a spectator I might I might feel differently about it yeah. but yeah. super beautiful I think that's a, I think that's a good pick um but I think And the last time we went which is the first the first and only time I've been there um It snowed the
2: time before They too. couldn't run
0: cold. they couldn't run too cold for Ralphie Yeah Ralphie so Yeah, yeah I I think Colorado is a good
2: pick um there there's always um the Notre Dame game uh this October which I think is Super valid, but for us, it's it's, Oregon.
0: It's It's the final trip to and Oregon Mm -hmm. getting Bo Nix back, looking like a competitor for the Pac-12 title. That game is going to be very meaningful. It's going to be raucous. It's going to be crazy. Um, USC Colorado is going to be interesting, but that shouldn't be a good game unless something goes wrong for USC. So, And it's entirely possible, but yeah.
2: Yeah, I I, I think um, Colorado might be a good game to sort of guarantee your win, your your road win, which is a big part of a road trip. Uh, the the a loss will uh, will kill off a good trip to Texas. Will uh, <laughs> be soured by 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 the by the, by the outcome. Um, Dallas in the chat says, uh, Michael, the the Big East was always uh, a group of Catholic schools from the Northeast until they dirty themselves when they courted Miami drug money. No, that's <laughs> That's valid in the sense that like you always had BC um, Pitt in, in the big East um, and, 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 and so on. Yeah. And you know, Georgetown in there for, for basketball, all that stuff. I think for me, it's just like, it wasn't always just that. It was more about everything else. You had Syracuse and you had uh, God, the Syracuse Miami rivalry in the nineties was fun. Miami just being good at basketball, sorry, football. um, I I just miss it. I I, I miss it. And then we're supposed to, Miami and and Virginia Tech are supposed to take over the ACC. And they've gone to the ACC and done nothing. Nothing. Neither one of them. It's been Clemson's uh, conference, which has been fascinating. Uh, Nick says, are you guys excited for the Big Ten or what?
0: Yeah. um, Excited. Nervous, curious, uh, intrigued— a lot of words I could use to describe my, my feelings on the big on the Big Ten. Um, it's just still wild to me that it's already happening. Like it 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 feels like
2: so like it was gonna be so long in the future. Yeah, but also, I remember where I was when I found out that that Qatar um, had won the World Cup. And that that was 12 years in the future. It was going to take forever to get there. And then the world cup has already happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the, my days of like thinking that, Oh my God, that was, I re, I remember when SC scheduled in Nebraska in 2005 and then it got pushed to 2006. The, how amazing that was going to be. And it's crazy. I think it's almost 20 years ago already. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Things, things go, things go quickly. But yeah, I'd, I'd say we're both both excited uh, about that and what happens uh, with with the program going to the future. West Texas Mike says, why does Trojan Baseball refuse to to wear and sell the script jersey the football team keeps taking picks in.
0: It doesn't make sense though. Like I'm with you on this. It, they keep taking recruiting trip pictures in a baseball in a USC baseball jersey that doesn't seem to exist except for the purposes of the football team. I, it's, it's a very strange thing. Maybe they'll, maybe it's like an, thing think it's a Nike thing. I, I, uh, maybe, I, I maybe it's like a fashion line that is available somewhere where that we don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it is available for purchase and somebody who's listening will let us know. So let us know. But like, yeah, yeah.
2: If if you've been in the in the bookstore lately, let, 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 let us, us know. know. Yeah, uh, Dallas says um, can't wait until we're in the Big Ten. Kinnick is my top road trip. Love how they have the wave to the kids in the Children's Hospital at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, that's thoroughly on the top of my list for for the maybe not the top top of my Big Ten list, but right up there.
0: This is my favorite thing about going to the Big Ten is to sort of like every new thing is gonna be cool. Like yes kinnick is going to be cool the horseshoe the big house even just well, like what's the, what's the
2: worst trip in the big 10 because the worst trip in the big 10 is st- rutgers is still going to be cool because you're like we can go to philly yeah when we've we ever been to philly before yeah you know what i mean go to new york if you wanted to yeah it, yeah e- ev- tour. everything everything's going to be going to be super cool iowa michigan um ohio state wisconsin penn state those certainly uh, the 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 big ones that are going to be super exciting. Uh, last question here comes from Ramon Murdy. Um, how is Jesse doing? Will she make an appearance on the show?
0: Jesse is doing wonderful. Uh, you, 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 want, you, you want to want to bring Jesse in? Should I bring Jesse in? Go bring Jesse in. I don't want to, I don't want to get her excited though. Okay. I took her. I took her on a longish walk this morning, and she's just been kind of chill and like. Okay, I could go get her. All right, we, want me to go get her? Yeah. Do the people? Do the people? There's a delay in our chat, so I can't really see, but I could go get her. It's all
2: right. We 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 can do it. We can do it another time. Um, Nick says S, SC at Michigan will be stupid awesome. Yes, I I agree. All right. Um, we'll 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 save Jesse for, for for another episode. <laughs> It'll <Wait, laughs> be recent to come back.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I had a thought. Um, that, cause I'm trying to do a little bit more like regular training with her to sort of just like stimulate her mind. Right. And so, um, I, uh, we're getting, now we're getting yeses to Jesse, so I might have to do it, <laughs> but, uh, I want to teach her how to jump up into my chair so that like she can sit, uh, sit up here. That would thing. be cool. That would be cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, my powers as a, as a dog trainer are not necessarily, um, all right. Get, go get her really okay, quick. I'll go get her really quick. Hold on. Really quick. I need to do this while not pulling all of our equipment away
2: yeah Here, here's the thing she, she says she doesn't want to get her excited uh jesse of course is crate trained and yeah. it's the cutest thing she puts herself to bed every night uh she's like i'm going to bed you guys not going put me to bed yet i'm just gonna go to bed i'm just gonna walk into my little dog house and uh put myself to bed and um it's it's the best so but when you take her out of the crate which she's she's in right now because we've been recording. She's super excited. She's gonna be excited anyways. I as well get her excited on the pod. Uh oh. I can I can see I can see movement. Here we go.
0: She's doing very good and she's sitting. It's part of the training that she's been doing because she knows she's supposed to sit. Oh,
2: The, the 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 people at home listening on Apple Podcasts are, are missing this. You can, even tell. though you you can you can pro, why don't you grab your your camera and just aim it down. At... There you go. There's
0: That's Jessie. <laughs> Will you shake? She's still learning shake. She doesn't like it yet.
2: D- Dallas oh, says we should put a we should put a GoPro on Jesse so we can see <laughs> Wanderings I don't think, with Jesse while we're on got air. to
0: see that she was shaking. But.
2: Yeah. Oh well. Uh that's Jesse. That's her that's her pride and joy. Named after, of course, uh combination of uh Jesse Pinkman and uh Jesse from Toy Story. Spelled like Jesse from Toy Story, but really named after Jesse Pinkman.
0: So Yes. Uh Really, just because, like, technically, we thought that like Jesse from Toy Story is the girl name, and Jesse from well, Breaking Bad is the boy name. But like, to be honest, really we we difference. we
2: got a, a dog before, um, named Combo, who
0: who I almost grabbed on my way over to
2: <laughs> to Jesse's crate. Um, Combo is a um, a stuffed dog um, that we got before we moved into a place where we could have a dog, and combo is a black and white border collie and we named him combo because after the character combo in breaking bad um combo of black and white fur also combo is one of my favorite characters in breaking bad so it made sense that when we got jesse who is a real life border collie with the looks exactly just like combo completely, um,
0: completely by accident i might add because she, uh, I can't, I can't, she's being very good right now. <laughs> I, I think I jinxed her whole, I don't want to get her excited thing because like, she's the most she chill she's on that she, she's she been she's on there. Yeah. in a long time, but that's why I took her on a longish walk because it's not raining and she can finally be, that's true too. Like the rain. Oh, you can see her on your, on your yeah. screen. Um, yeah the the level of not chill that this dog got when the rain was happening and I couldn't take her out for full stretches of exercise it stopped raining and now she's back to being chill because she's getting a full walk out in the sun she likes it yeah so
2: that's Jesse that's how the world turns with Jesse so all right we'll be back next week uh, but we'll be back later this week if you joined us in the the rot squad for bonus content uh, we're gonna come back later this week uh, probably Wednesday or Thursday look for that and uh we'll be back later on uh thanks for listening as always thanks for joining us here in the chat um we always have a good time uh the, the tims warren nick ramamurti ron uh kenny dallas uh ramamurti anybody else i'm missing off the top west texas mike off the top of my head that they've joined us here in the live chat uh, we always appreciate you and uh we'll be back next time so until then see ya
1: 去